Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. On Sunday, February 25th, there is an annual business meeting, and that'll be taking place um, right here after church. There will be childcare available, and we're going to give you the report starting next week. By the way, we have Jackie in the back right now, so if you'd like to release your children back to her, she will go and teach them lots of awesome things about God. The children will be fed lunch during the annual business meeting, so you do not even have to worry about that. Child care and food for your children, awesome deal for you, and you get to come and talk about business. On Friday, March 1st at 7 p.m., we as a church are going to go watch the Wisconsin Herd. If you don't know what that is, it's the basketball team with the people who maybe one day will be playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. And so there are some current Bucks players right now who were on the Herd in the past couple years. So tickets are $18. And if you would like to be part of that, please sign up today. And there will be seats with back, so it should be very comfortable. On Sunday, March 3rd, there is the Ripon Area Chicken Barbecue at the fire station. Tickets are $11 in advance or $12 at the door. So if you'd like to save one whole dollar, you can talk to Ron Fader, who's always out in the foyer, and he can get you some tickets. Today at the end of service, before we go down and have our nacho and taco bar, there will be a brief discussion about the annual business meeting. So please stay in here and wait for that. And we're going to head back to Robbie to continue with our worship time. If you'd please stand, we'll pray quickly and head back into a time of praising God. Dear Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for allowing us to come here together. God, I pray that you would touch our lives, that you would help us to focus on you, and that no matter how we're feeling emotionally or physically or spiritually, that you would touch us today and that we'd feel your presence. In Jesus' name. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Yes, he died for me, who the sun sent me I'm a child of God, yes I am. I am chosen, not forsaken, I am who you say I am, you are for I am who you say. 
would read a scripture verse and just lead us into this next song. So, Katie? We're going to read from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, which reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to God. And in the song, worship together as we sing, Trust in God. Blessed assurance. 
Seek after you. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord, and he heard. Come on, seek after him. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, God, you answer our prayers. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. And he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why. That's why I trust in God, my Savior, Savior, the one 
experienced the joy of God's presence this morning? How about have you experienced the joy of God's presence when you have questions in life? Anybody have questions about which way to go sometime in life? I got lots of questions. God's still working on me, but he says there's joy in his presence, and God promises that he's going to direct our steps. So if you're looking for answers this morning, the best thing that you can do is just sing and worship God and enjoy his presence because in him there's fullness of joy. Let's sing this song together and experience his presence here in your presence. Thank you. 
serve a God who is good and he loves you so very much I don't know for so many of us we we say that and we know that intellectually in our mind but there there's something beyond that when we believe God is good that he is good and that he wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you. There are certain moments in time where you feel the weight of what God wants to do. Um, I lack the ability and the skills to properly communicate what God wants to speak into your life this morning. So what do you do when you are in that situation? Well, 
you make room for God to do his part. And one of the ways we do that is we pray and we ask for his help. So this morning, would you pray for me and for you that one, what God wants to speak would be communicated effectively this morning and that two, you would be able to hear it and apply it. And most importantly, that God would do all he wants to do in your life today. Can we pray together? Lord, we ask you to move in your house today. Lord, we've come before you. We have sang songs. Oh, that you were here. Your prayer, you were about to speak to your... We pray, God, give us the ability through the Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak the word, but then to hear the word and to effectively apply it to our life this morning. We make room for you to move. God, may we leave this place different than when we came in this morning. Lord, we pray for those who are sick and not well today, that, God, your hand would be upon them. We pray for our online audience as well, that, God, you would move just like you are going to move in this house. You will move wherever they are watching today. Maybe they're driving. Maybe they're watching from home. That, Lord, you would move in a powerful way wherever they are today as they hear this word preached. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Worship team, great job this morning. As Adrian alluded to, we do have a meal after service. I can preach as long as I want to today. You don't have to go anywhere. There's no football. Super Bowl's next week. We could go seven days. We're not going to preach seven days. Um, I just want to double check really quickly. Uh, Are the Bowmans here today, Alex or... Ashlyn, no. We had new members that we wanted to, uh, to, uh, to introduce you to today into our church. They took the class back in, our membership class back in uh, November, uh, and it, Christmas season got so busy, uh, so we had three members that have been accepted into membership, Alex Bowman, A- Ashlyn Bowman, and Alondra Spence. Alondra is on an airplane headed to Arizona. Uh, I'm feeling a sudden need that she needs ministry, so I may have to step out and catch an airplane. Um, but uh, I told her she can go, but she has to bring back some sunshine and warmth with her. Um, uh, so our, our new members are rather sick or on an airplane. Uh, so I will introduce you to them when, uh, the next time we get to see them. But I want to get into today's message, and today's message is entitled, You Are Not Your Trauma. You Are Not Your Trauma. You can put trauma, you can put a lot of other things in there. You Are Not Your Sin. You are not your damage, you are not your, your hurt, you are not your failures. You are a child of God who God loves so dearly. And if you do not know God today by the end of service, I hope that you will. Because he loves you so much. But when you hear a message called, you are not your trauma, and we talk about when today we're going to deal with trauma in our life, there, the question probably pops up, why are you opening up old wounds? Why bring up the past at all, Pastor? After all, Philippians 3.13 tells us to forget the things that are behind and for us to reach for the things that are in front of us. And I absolutely agree with that passage. But do you know who that passage is written by? Philippians? Anybody know who wrote Philippians? Okay, y'all should start going to grow groups on Sunday mornings uh, with Ravi and Don, okay, Uh, to get some of this information. Uh, Our man Paul wrote Philippians, 
All right, he wrote that letter to the church. So he wrote this sometime after Acts. The reason he can write that and stand on that promise of letting go of the past is that he has properly dealt with the trauma he is going through and has been through. He writes this after he has gone back and confronted it, which we're going to look at today. He's like, look, once, you, once you've dealt with it, once you've processed it, once God's done something in it, you've got to be willing to let it go to move forward and move on. So why would, why would your pastor feel the need to go back and deal with your past and bring up your trauma and bring up hurts from your past? It's not because I'm trying to be mean. It's not because I'm a jerk. At least I hope it's not because I'm a jerk. It's because I feel the leading of God taking us there. Because God cares about the quality of your healing. When you go through a trauma in your life, some of the difficult things that we go through, the number one thing, and, I, and you're here, but just because you, you've survived it, now God wants you to get to a place where you're thriving. Surviving is not enough for our Savior. He paid too high a price for you to just get you to survive. He wants you to get to a place of thriving for your future. I relate it to uh, if you've ever had a broken arm, and if, you've, if, if, you, if you broke arm, broke leg, whatever it might be, a broken bone in your body, and, and it, it, it's broken, but you can't get to a surgeon to set it or whatever, maybe you're out in the wilderness, and eventually that bone will heal. But it might heal in a way that is not the way it's meant to be. The quality of your healing is not the greatest. And the only thing to do at that point, to get that bone back in the way that it's supposed to, to get it to function the way that it's supposed to, to get to a place where you can thrive, is to have a surgeon go back in and actually break that bone and reset it. And that might be exactly what the Lord is going to do today. And I realize that is challenging, that that is heavy, that that takes us to a place that's emotional, and that's okay, because God has a greater healing for you. I prayed this just a few moments ago, but there is a principle at work. God must do something deeply in you before he can do something powerfully through you. Did you catch that? If you're taking notes, write that one down, because that's good. God needs to do something in you before he can do something powerfully through you. And that's what we're doing today. We're making room in our life for God to heal us. So let's go to our scripture, Act chapter 6. We're talking about breakthrough. And how many of you want to break through with God? Okay, the pastor does. Awesome. We're cut out for us today. Come on, Jesus. We got this. God wants you to have a breakthrough. I know you want a breakthrough because this box over here is full of it. It's full of things that you have written down to say, this year, I want God to break through in my life in these things. And I want that for you. I pray passionately over these things. But for those things to happen, there might be something God needs to do before that. A greater breakthrough, a greater healing, so that you can walk in the breakthrough he has for you. But we've got to put the pieces in the right place at the right time. In Acts chapter 16, we see Paul with his new partner, Silas. And this is how it starts off in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. 
the believers of Lystra and Iconom spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him before, or because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in number. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know, the last two weeks we were talking about the fact that there was this big issue in the church, and they were talking about, do believers have to be circumcised? And there was this whole thing about two-tiered system and all this kind of stuff. They came to the conclusion that no, because Christ alone, what Christ did on the cross is enough for people to be saved. There is no act that we can do to earn our salvation. So why is Timothy being circumcised? This is of his own volition because he realized that his mom was Jewish, his dad was Greek, and to reach these people, he said, look, I'm willing to go through this so that we can preach the message because otherwise it looked like he was saying, oh, no, you don't have to. Well, the reason you don't have to is because you didn't go through it. You don't want to go through it. He said, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take that argument completely out. I'm willing to do this to reach the culture in which God has called me to. Timothy's an awesome guy, an awesome guy. That's what our missionaries do all the table to reach people for Christ. Now, you might look at this and go, where is the trauma? Because the only trauma that you might see is poor Timothy. But that's not the trauma we're talking about. We're talking about Paul. And you might go, I don't see any trauma here. But remember, it's important for us to understand context. Because several years before this, Paul would go to this place, Lystra, And he didn't exactly have a pleasant experience when Barnabas and him went there to do ministry. In Acts chapter 14, remember, this is almost five years in the past. In Acts chapter 14, they show up in Lystra, and there's a man who was there, and he is from birth, was never able to walk. But they pray for him. They saw that this man had faith in him, that there was something that God was doing. They walk over, they pray for him, and this man is healed by God. That's something to celebrate. That sounds good. But the problem was is that the people in this area looked at it and thought, oh my goodness, the gods have come down among us. And they called them the Greek gods. They said, oh man, uh, Barnabas must be Zeus and and Paul, he's got to be Hermes. And and they they wanted to worship them. In fact, the person from the the, the temple there came out and said, oh, we got to bring out bulls and sow for sacrifices to these heathen gods. So they're making the the Christians out to be gods. And Paul and Barnabas are so distraught by this. They're tearing their clothes. They're telling people, no, 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 no. We are men just like you. But there is one named Jesus who has come. And that that is the person who brings healing, is Jesus. We are not gods. We are men. We've just made room for Jesus to do something in us and through us. It all sounds good. But then you jump down to uh, verse 19 in chapter four, or verse 19 in chapter 14, and it says this, "Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconon, who won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city, and the next day Barnabas and him left for Derby. Trauma. I have to imagine that Lister didn't exactly bring up fond memories for Paul when him and Silas are going back there. After all, the last time he was at this city, he was left for dead in the street, stoned and pummeled, beaten, senseless. That's traumatic. 
Put yourself in Paul's shoes. You'd have mixed emotions at the very least. You probably, if we're putting your itinerary together, go, I don't think I want to go back here. Let's just skip it. (laughs) And maybe Paul had those actual discussions with Silas. We don't know. That information is not given to us. But we do know that Paul went back. And there is no sugarcoat in it. Paul experienced trauma. There are two terms usually defined with trauma. One is the pathology. It's when the body is wounded or shock uh, because of sudden physical injury or violence or an accident. And you can experience that type of of, uh, trauma where it's physical trauma to our body. Paul had definitely experienced that, but I want to tell you there's also another form of trauma, and that's the psychiatry, a psychological injury that's caused by an experience, pain, injury, or loss. And I want to tell you, Paul experienced that too. He had to have, because he was just like you and me. Imagine if this played out right now today. Three or four guys walk into our church, maybe with guns, come, they get me, and they beat the living tar out of your pastor in front of you all, drag me out of the sanctuary, and leave me out on the pavement in front of our church. How many of us would be traumatized by that? Me! (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? Let's just be honest. It would be very hard for us to come back the next week. Some of us would leave because we, we, couldn't, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't deal with it. Go through, walks through his trauma. He goes back to the place where this happened. He confronts that. The place of his greatest trauma became the place of his greatest blessing because he would have find Timothy in this place. The place of his pain, the place of his beating, the place of his trauma was the place where he would find his greatest ministry partner in Timothy who would go on to become an extremely successful pastor. The reason that we need to deal with our trauma is because God realizes that in the place of our greatest hurt, there may also be the greatest blessing for us. But it takes time to get there. Some of you don't have to imagine what it was like for Paul because you've lived it. I've got some statistics about trauma I want to share with you. According to what I read, 70% of adults in the U.S. have experienced some type of traumatic event in their lives. I think that number is incredibly low at 70%. Because I look at my own life, and not only have I had one traumatic experience, I could write a book about traumatic experiences. Just in my young years, just up to 22, I think of all the things that I had been through. At five, six years old, I remember, not a whole lot, but I do remember a terrorist attack that took place on the Canadian border. I was there. I saw the guys with the guns. It was actually a individual who pulled his car across multiple lanes of traffic as we were walking across this bridge and pulled out and had a gun. I remember it vividly. I've had guns pulled on me in ministry a total of three different times. Those are all traumatic. As an intern, I lost one of my students at a church because He was dealing with some issues in his life. He took a revolver, spun the barrel, and shot his brains out. It was traumatic. Just three months before that, I lost a very dear friend 
who I went to church with every single Sunday. Her name was Paula, and she OD'd in her bathroom on pills because she felt overwhelmed, traumatic. These things all leave scars. And if they are not dealt with, they will damage you for life. I know that we've all had trauma in our life. Here's some other statistics. One in three women in the United States have experienced rape, physical violence, or stalking, and or stalking. One in three. One in three adults living in America have experienced religious trauma from the people that they should have trusted the most. They found, and this, this covers a whole bunch of different things. This is a, a pastor who has been abusive physically, mentally, spiritually, sexually, all of that that's covered in that. This is someone who goes to a church and their doctrine's so messed up that it messes you up. And look, I've been in those places, believe me. I've had, I've had some religious trauma. I've had people tell me doctrine that made no sense. Well, if you only had more faith, you wouldn't have to wear those glasses, Pastor. Give me a break. Give me a break. Crazy doctrine like that. Or, hey, you know what? If we really have faith, we won't need medicine. I don't know where that got started. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because I want to tell you something about the New Test, the New, uh, the New Beginning Church that we read about in Acts. Not only did they believe in medicine, but they were setting up clinics in the early years of the church. They called Jesus the great physician that empowered them to say, listen, not only do we want to provide for our own people that they would have the medical resources they need, but we see the need in our communities for that. And they opened clinics in the early days of the church to provide medicine and doctors to people who needed them. Mission started right out the gate with the church. And to have these crazy things taught to people that damage them because people pit when you preach stupid things like that that just cause damage. 48.5 of adults living in America have experienced psychological abuse by a spouse, family member, or stranger. All the statistics I read for you this morning are exactly identical for the church, for people who are Christians and people who are not for people who have attended church and people who have never attended church. Those statistics are the same across the board. What does that tell me? That tells me that I have a church that's hurting, and God sees you, and God sees you. And sometimes churches are afraid to talk about the messy stuff. But can I tell you, Jesus is never afraid to roll up his sleeves and get involved in messy lives and messy situations. See, that's where secrets come along. I know there are secrets in this room, and I'm not trying to play some type of game with you or some type of power trip or find out what your secrets are. I just want to let you know that secrets are not good to have. Paul's trauma was in front of the entire church there in Lystra. They saw him get beat down. They saw the physical trauma. They saw the emotional trauma. Barnabas would walk with Paul. He was there. And I, I mean, I think that that was good. I think that helped Paul be able to deal with it because people were there. They saw it. He couldn't hide it. There was no secret. But I want to tell you that the crazy thing is, is that when it's a secret trauma, the damage can be so much harder 
when you're the only one that knows. Whether it's abuse, loss, divorce, sin, religion, uh, religious abuse, abortion, uh, clinical illness, big or small trauma, it doesn't matter. When it's a secret, the devil has power in your life. Do you have a secret struggle which no one knows about except you? Many people do, and they work very hard to keep it buried in a dark cave of forgetfulness. Yet it just won't cooperate and be quiet. It keeps crying out, begging to be released. You've tried to silence it by trying to tie it up in chains of shame, fear, and guilt. Intertwined in this horror movie is Satan's scary part of the script where he repeats these words over and over and over again. You can never tell anyone what happened to you. It's too painful to share. It's too embarrassing to share with anyone else. What would they think about you if they only knew? What would they think about you? People aren't going to believe you anyway. Or how about this one? It's your fault and you really deserved it. All of these things are lies. What we don't realize is the prince of darkness forges weapons against us whenever there's a secret we're hiding. His weapon keeps us imprisoned in a place of torment. And unless you share the secret with someone, and I mean the right someone, someone that you can trust, someone will uplift you, someone who's not going to judge you or criticize you, but say, I will stand with you believing that we can make room for God to do something greater in your life and bring about healing and restoration for you. That's the right person. the right person. The fact is, if we don't share, Satan will harass your soul and you will never live fully free. You may have told a secret to to God. You may have prayed about it before. And maybe even over and over and over. But somehow, it still haunts you. I want to tell you the truth where it's confess your trauma to everybody or everybody in grow group or the person you're sitting next to today. I am going to empower you and God is going to empower you. Find someone that you can talk to that loves Jesus, a man or woman of character and integrity that will stand by you. And like I said, just say, we can make room for Jesus to come in and begin to heal this. There is something powerful about it. Just a week and a half ago, I had somebody come in, they shared a secret, and you know what? It was liberating (laughs) because they took all of the power that the enemy had over them, and the enemy no longer has it. Freedom. Freedom. I'll be very clear, we're going to do an altar call in a few minutes, and I want to be very clear. We're not going to have you come up here, and I'm not going to say, okay, now find somebody to turn to and share your secrets with. I would not do that to you. I'm not, I'm not even asking you today to even make that commitment. I'm just telling you, you, I'm empowering you. You need to find that person. And maybe it's me or Pam or maybe it's somebody else. But find somebody who will stand with you. God wants to move us from surviving to thriving. 
you're still here and we celebrate that fact, but God wants something better for you. God wants to bring the greatest blessing to your life. And it might be in facing the place where you've gotten hurt in your past. Your greatest trauma could be your greatest blessing. So let's set up, let's unpack this. How do we go from, from, from just surviving to thriving? Because the fact is, is if we've just survived, uh, that we probably learned some coping mechanisms, some coping mechanics in our life, and not all of those have been healthy. That's just the reality of it. Coping mechanics develop over, over years, over time, and they're not always beneficial to us. Coping mechanisms can be just as harmful as the original trauma. Here's some examples. People that have experienced trauma, hurt, hidden sin, they, send to, they can have issues with substance abuse because it's bothered them so much they'll turn to other things. Avoidance or denial, self-harm, negative self-talk, emotional eating, isolation, procrastination, overworking, aggression, an expression of anger or frustration or irritation that's harmful to themselves and harmful to others. Or how about just this one, just getting to the point where you couch zone. And listen, I know, we all... There, we all couch zone sometime, all right? But when it's continual, when it's all the time, when it's day after day, where you just sit on the couch and you just numb out to the whole world continually, that's not what God wants. He wants something better for you. He wants something better for you. David, who I believe was one of the most traumatized people in the Bible, declared in Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The term brokenhearted means shattered into pieces. If you were to take a mirror and throw it on the floor, it would shatter. You have no idea how bad I really wanted to do this as an actual illustration today. If you were to look at your face through that shattered mirror, you would see pieces of your face all over. For many people in this room today, how they respond to trauma is exactly that way. They feel broken on the inside because they have been wounded. They put up walls around their heart of shame and guilt, feeling responsible for what happened or what they've done. They shelter their broken heart because they don't want any more wounding. And if that's you this morning, I want to tell you God has something greater for you. Individuals that go through this put on a mask of happiness and function in the world, but the reality is that there are so, they're so broken, no one ever gets to see the real self because they are shit. But David declares, he saved. David ups the ante and says that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. There is hope this morning that the very thing that may be just bugging you and eating away and gnawing at you inside, the very thing that God wants to bind up and heal you today. God has something better for you. So what are some of the keys to overcoming trauma, overcoming sin, overcoming all these different things, failures. What are some of the keys to go from surviving to thriving? This isn't in my notes, but I feel overwhelmingly that I have to say this this morning. If the enemy is lying to you and saying this, what happened to you is your fault, that you deserved it, I want you to know something. This is from our Father and our Savior. You are not guilty. It is not your fault. 
You might think it is. You might say, oh, I did this. I brought it on by doing this, this. We can deal with all that. But it is not your fault. If you've experienced abuse in this place, there is no excuse for that. There is no sugarcoating it. But it is not your fault. It is not your fault. So what are some of the keys to overcoming this? One, healthy family dynamics. And boy, don't we all wish we had those. <laughs> but sometimes we don't. Some of us have come from great families, but some of, us, some of us haven't. And especially if your trauma came within your family. If you were abused by someone who was a family member, a father, a mother, an uncle, a brother, a sister, if, if you've been abused, it's hard to have healthy family dynamics. But God has an answer for that, and it's called the church. And we are not perfect. Hillside Assembly is not perfect. We are all, all people. We have bad hair days. But we are learning how to make room for God and for God to teach us how to be a healthy family dynamically so that we can walk with people, so that we can be the people who stand beside you and go, I'll pray with you. I'll make room with God with you, and we'll believe that God has something greater for you. Amen? That's the kind of church that we are shooting towards and inspiring to be because it's a work in progress. And maybe, maybe you never really hit the plateau. Maybe you never really get there, but we're always going to be moving forward in that direction. Amen? Let's be healthy as a church family. The second factor is this. Realize that trauma takes time to process. We talked a little bit about that last week. It's not as simple as snapping our fingers or coming to the altar. And yes, God can do healings that are instantaneous. And there may be times of great acceleration, but it takes time to process something. If God is opening up an old wound for you this morning, just realize it's going to be a process in healing that's coming. There's going to be a process. It takes time. The next thing is a factor of faith. If we want to handle trauma better, we need to realize that we need to, be, we need to be pouring into us. Faith requires us to feed it. Did you hear that? Our faith requires it to feed us, to feed our faith. If we do not feed our faith, our faith starves. We've got to feed it. How do you begin to feed it? Well, prayer is a good place to start. Talking with God. And yes, set aside time, but man, I talk with God everywhere. And I'm not ashamed of it. And if you come into the office, sometimes you hear me talking. And I'll be, I'll be praying or preaching. It's usually one of the two if I'm here by myself. I'll just be honest. And it's a little embarrassing when people come in and they're just like, man, I'm And I'm continuing because I, I, don't, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to lead through this. So talking with God. Other thing, read your Bible or listen to the Bible. Here's, here's, these are incredible statistics. Listen to this. People who listen or read their Bible four times a week, four times a week, have a dramatic shift in how their mind thinks. Look at this. Loneliness, this is people who've read or listened four times a week to Scripture. Loneliness decreased 32%. Anger decreased 34%. Bitterness went down 40%. Alcoholism, those who struggle with alcohol or addiction issues, down 40%. 
watching pornography down 60%. The urge to go gambling down 74%. God's word is powerful, but we've got to take it in us. It's like vitamins. It's nutritious to us. If you're not praying and you're not reading the word and all you're doing is coming to church, basically we're just feeding you spiritual cake every week. It's kind of like that. It's not enough. There's not enough nutrients. And I'm not saying that we, we preach sugary messages because obviously if you're here today, this isn't sugary. We're, we're giving you the best, but you cannot live off the vitamins in your faith by Sunday alone. That is not enough. And if you're doing that, you've probably realized what happens is, is that you have this high Sunday. You're doing great. Monday's good. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday! You know, and it's, that's not what God wants. It's not a roller coaster ride that God wants you to get on. That's not, that's not how it should feel. So get into your word. Read. Feed your faith. The next factor is the ability to process trauma. Honest evaluation is the thing to walk away with today. Can I honestly evaluate? Can I look at my own life? Can I look at the experiences that I have, the good and the bad, and can I evaluate where I am? I'm giving away all my secrets today, but on the back of your bulletin, you'll notice these two wheels. These, this, is my, this is my trauma worksheet, all right? When I'm, when I'm ministering with somebody and we're talking about whether or not they're processing the hurt and the pain in their life or the trauma in their life effectively, I use these two wheels. The green one is good things, good things that you're doing and processing. These are positive ways to deal with, to communicate, to talk about actions that you're taking, all right? The red one, if you find that you are dealing with a lot of the stuff in the red, uh, there's problems, <laughs> and we've got to sit down and we've got to begin to unpack some things to figure out how we, can, how we can change some thought processes and some things going on in your life. So I'm giving you all the good tools that I, I use to minister to people. But the key to this is evaluation. You have to honestly be able to look at yourself. Because if all you're doing is lying to yourself and you're like, yeah, I'm in the green all the time. First off, if you're in the green all the time, your name is Jesus. Um, so it's great to have you in church today. Um, because none of us are processing things effectively and correctly all the time. That's just not reality. The goal is to, for us to put our life more in the green than it is in the red. That's a victory. Amen? Amen. That's just reality. So, because we're all going to fall short. So let's process that. Honest evaluation. And then obedience to the Lord, because the Lord leads us down some paths that are uncomfortable sometimes. And by the way, I'm not saying that you have to do all these. But I'm telling you this next step in obedience is when the Holy Spirit tells you to, it is worthwhile to do it even if it's difficult. Confront your fears. Conf possibly confronting those who hurt you. Now that's not for everybody and that's not for every situation. But God may ask you to do that. To figure out what happened and why. Sometimes we need to figure that out. Sometimes we will never be able to. But if the Holy Spirit is asking you to sit down and do that, then do it not shaming or blaming yourself, taking proper ownership. Again, that's something that not, I'm not saying that everyone has to do. It's not even possible in some situations, but for some people, it is. It was interesting to me, Pam and I, when we first came here, my, my biological dad passed away. We went back to Maine, uh, and I didn't even realize this, but when we were there and going back to the places of my childhood, it was interesting. It brought a sense of closure to me I didn't even know I needed. 
to things in my life that were, were traumatic. If you don't know, my biological dad was a Vietnam veteran. Um, he was pushed out of a helicopter about 40 feet uh, above a tree line. Uh, him and his buddy who pushed him out of the helicopter survived. Everybody else in the helicopter died. The helicopter crashed. Uh, my dad suffered a, a traumatic brain in injury. Um, he had to learn to walk and talk and live all over again. And because of those issues that he, that he had serving in the Vietnam War, uh, he, had, he was very unstable mentally. And um, he suffered with a lot of issues. There was a lot of abuse in my house growing up as a kid. Um, my dad, to my knowledge, was never physically abusive to me, but he was to my mom. Uh, my dad could very much be abusive, though, verbally, uh, very abusive and manipulative in a, in a bunch of different things. Not all the time. I, I loved my dad, but he had a lot of messed up issues. He also went to Bible college, got credentialed with the Assemblies of God, traveled as an evangelist for a period of time, and I absolutely hated ministry for the longest time because I saw how my dad treated people. I saw how not to do it. <laughs> the trauma that I had to work through. And it's interesting, when I went back and took that trip back to Maine, there was, there was things of healing that God was doing that I wasn't even aware of. So when the Holy Spirit does speak to you, allow him to go to those deep places. Allow him to go there. God wants to do something greater in you. Finally, I'm going to say this. It's, it's okay if you need help and you need to see someone for help. Whether that's a, a doctor and, and you need, you, you just, you're having some issues, maybe with, with uh, uh, paranoia or uh, just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ah, Lord, help me. Um, anxiety or depression. And if you need help, it's okay. It's okay to, to go out to do a medical doctor or a psychiatrist. These are partners. Jesus himself brought onto his team Luke, who was a physician. That's not by accident. He looked at the crew that he had, and he goes, I need a doctor. <laughs> and I think occasionally Luke put on his psychiatric, hel psychiatric helmet and go, okay, let's sit down and have a discussion and map this out. Because these people, these disciples were messed up just like you and me. And I'm grateful for the partners we have. And we have a great counseling partner now in Omro. Um, she's doing a phenomenal job. I've talked to her a couple times on the phone. We've talked through things. I feel very confident uh, in sending you over to her. Morgan Schaefer uh, loves the Lord, loves people. But she's got a whole set of tools at her disposal that I have not been trained in. I will do everything that I can for you. And Pam and I do do some counseling, but we have a very limited tool set. And we will tell you when we're like, look, the fact is, is that we're limited. And where, where you're at, the trauma that you're dealing with, the issues that you have, we may need, you may need some extra help. And she will work with you with payment plans and all that kind of stuff. She's incredible. So just saying that is out there. And if you need her information, just, just ask me for it. There's no shame in that. Amen? This, this, is not a, this, this house does not shame people. All right, we believe in Jesus, we believe in his powers, and we believe that God gives people certain gifts and talents to be able to help people, amen? Okay. Amen? This is good, this is good. Robbie, would you come back to the piano this morning? 
I don't know how much to put our, this message today in this context. What she, so, shall we say again in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He would not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with his graciously, graciously, yeah, let's try this again. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any change against, any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or trauma? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is good and he loves you and he wants to do something greater in in you so that you he can do powerfully things through you i'm going to ask this morning if you would come and have the courage to just join your pastor at the altar here's the thing what what is coming to the altar it is a physical representation of us making room for Jesus and saying, Lord, I need you in here. The truth is, is every person in this place has some type of trauma. There is something, probably every person in here, that the devil holds over you that no one else knows about, but it's an issue where he accuses you, he charges you. He's like, man, if they knew about this, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's a trauma issue. Maybe it's a loss that you experienced. Maybe it's a place where you totally messed up and missed the mark. I can't speak into every single one of those areas, but let me tell you who can. His name is Jesus. And I'm wondering if you would just come and join me. And like again, I'm not going to ask you to give secrets away or anything. But would you just come and say, Lord, I'm making room. Whatever you want to do, whatever healing that you want, whatever you need to dig up from my past for me to deal with, I'm in. Because I want everything that you have for me. And God is not here to hurt you. Jesus isn't here to, 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 to beat you up. He is here as a great physician. If he's opening up a wound from your past, it's because he wants greater healing in your life. As Robbie begins to play this song, would you just come and join me? And we're just going to seek the heart of Christ for just a few moments. Let him work in and through us.
Robbie, would you lead us in that song that you sang at the end of, end of worship today, here in your presence? The altar is open. Would you come join me this morning? Found in your hands fullness of joy Every fear suddenly Here in your prompt my gain No longer fade away Every crown no longer on display Here in your presence Heaven is trembling in awe of your wonders The kings and their kingdoms are standing amid here in your presence we are undone here in your presence heaven and earth become one here in your presence all things are new presence everything bows before you
Church, I'm going to ask you to do this. If You can stand to your feet. If you're at the altar too, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Because God's about to do something. If you're sitting in the pews, please stand to your feet. When we ask God and we say we make room, it's an opportunity for him to breathe into our lives. The same breath that gave life to Adam and to Eve the same life that came and rose Jesus from the grave is the very same breath that God is going to breathe into us today as we say, Lord, I'm making room. I want to commend those who came to the altar this morning. Do not be embarrassed. There is no regret. This was the greatest decision you possibly could have made today. Because you physically said to God, I'm making room for you. I'm so proud of you. To everybody here this morning, there is nobody in this place more messed up than your pastor. I shared some of my stories. I am still useful in God's kingdom. I am loved by my Savior. And the reason that I can stand victorious because I am learning how to believe God is good and that he is doing something in me and that he desires to do things not only in me but through me. That same promise is for you this morning. Lord, we pray this morning as a church body, we make room for the king. We make room for the king in our life. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never heard the gospel presentation. Jesus came. He lived among us. He was the son of God. He came, he died, and he rose again 
so that the, the thing hindering you from having a relationship with God, this thing called sin would be broken, severed. It's covered in the blood of Jesus. But he rose from the grave and he calls us into a relationship with him. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus this morning, just do this. Just raise your hand. Not that anybody is looking around, but just before God, you would say, I want salvation. I want a relationship with God this morning. I will not embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out by name. But if you need a relationship with Jesus this morning, we're not leaving here until we prayed for you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning. Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Come into my life. I believe that you are the Son of God that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. And that, Lord, you love me. And I want all of you. I want everything that you have for me. Lord, this morning as we pray, I know there are scars. We have to be able to face them. Well, as you're not directly not said in the Scripture, there seems to be a very big dramatic shift in Paul's personality from this point moving forward. I believe it's because he faced his trauma. He faced that place. There was closure in his life. And in that place, he found his greatest blessing. Lord, I pray this morning for those who have hurts and pains, the place of their greatest shame. God may be the place of their greatest blessing as they link room for you, as you move in their life, as you bring healing, as you bring restoration, as you reset spiritual bones in their life. Lord, I pray that they would be blessed by you in ways I cannot even begin to fathom. Lord, you love this church. You love these people. And God, I want them whole. I want to be whole. I want to be healthy. I want to be well. I want to make room for you to do all that you want to do in us so that, Lord, you can move powerfully through us. Lord, I pray for those this morning who have secret sin in their life, that, Lord, they would find a partner who would just pray with them, be there for them, wrestle with them to say, I'm believing for victory for you. We're going to make room for Jesus. We're going to do this together. We're going to get the right tools. Lord, I pray for those with wounded hearts and emotions, marks from the past that need to be set right, that, Lord, only you can do these things. Make it right. Lord, if there are those of us in this room who need help, who need partners beyond what we specialize in here, that, Lord, we would have the courage to be able to ask for help. I think back to those two kids who took their lives in my ministry early on how I wish they would have asked for help. How different things could have been. Lord, we're not going to wait until it's too late. We're going to be proactive as a church. If we need help, Lord, help us to be, have courage to ask for it. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor this morning. And God's people said, amen, amen. Yes. We can be seated. You guys can be seated. Kathy, come here. This is meant to be said at the church. 
I'll hold the mic. He says, don't keep me, Christ, as a secret. This is not the right thing to do. Not only do you receive freedom and are set free, but you are giving me room now to complete my existence in you. Take time to seek me instead of holding on to your trauma. This is my free gift to you. Amen. Amen. That's a good word from the Lord today. Amen. 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 The word church in progress, from process and progress, both. Um, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Some days are challenging. Some days are difficult. How many of you are getting hungry? Oh, amen. We've got just a few things that we need to do before we pray and dismiss for food. Uh, I'm going to ask the, if I have board members available, if they'd come to the platform at this time. Uh, we have something that we do have to share with you. According to our bylaws, um, we need to uh, get this information out to you three weeks in advance. Resolution, uh, actually, res uh, need to vote on at our annual business meeting. The resolution that will be voted on by the business, by, by you in our church, uh, needs to be brought forward three weeks in advance when it's a resolution, and that's why we're bringing it to you today. I want to go ahead and read the resolution for you, and then I'll explain why exactly we bring in this resolution to the voting body uh, for, for understanding and clarification. So BLR 1-1 reads as following, the resolution to ratify Hillside Assembly's bylaws to bring them in accordance with Wisconsin Northern Michigan Ministry Network, the National Assemblies of God Office, and the laws that govern the state of Wisconsin and nonprofit corporations. Whereas our culture has rapidly changed and some of our language in our bylaws needs to be more specific to better align with our biblical doctrine and values, and whereas our national and local office have made recommended bylaws available to us and we want to stay consistent with the assemblies of God in terms of policy and procedures, and whereas we want to ensure that the next generation of our church is able to do business of the church in the most effective way possible, Therefore, be it resolved that Hillside Assembly Board of Directors recommend that the membership of Hillside Assembly replace in its entirety the current bylaws of Hillside Assembly with the proposed revised bylaws of Hillside Assembly. I know, you have to write it this way, I apologize. By this prescribed vote of the membership at the, duty, at, the, at the duly called business meeting of membership, and be it further resolved that Hillside Assembly Secretary hereby be authorized and directed in the name and on behalf of the church to immediately upon approval by the membership of Hillside Assembly to execute the revised bylaws of the Hillside Assembly and remain an executed and 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 to maintain an executed copy with the corporate records of the church and the publication as needed to the membership. Now I'm going to speak English to everybody and explain why we need to do this. All right, what do bylaws do? Bylaws serve as a document of governance. They are not our church policy, nor are they the guidelines for ministry. Those are different things altogether. Uh, this document is how we conduct business as a corporation. We are in a nonprofit, and being a nonprofit, uh, the laws for the state of Wisconsin say that we have to have an article of bylaws uh, to talk about how we are governed and how we do business as a church. 
Uh, our bylaws should regularly be looked at and adjusted. It's been quite a while since this has been done, and because there is so much that needs to be addressed, we felt it better to take the recommended bylaws given to us by the district and the national office and to, sex, and to accept them as an entire new document rather than to make individual changes. If we were to make individual changes, we would be looking over 30 different resolutions that would have to be written. How many of you would like to write 30 of what I just read? Um, 30 different resolutions that then we not only have to do that, also have to have discussion and vote upon. We would have a business meeting that would last a week if we did that. Uh, we just don't think that's a good, a good use of our time as a church. And so we're recommending that we do it as a whole. Um, the recommended bylaws that we're using were written by the national and district offices. These are men and women of great spiritual wisdom who have put a lot of time together in doing this document. Our board has taken the last year to review, compare, go back and forth, have deep conversations about it, finally coming to the point that these people knew what they were talking about. <laughs> Uh, these are wise people, and we would, we would be wise to adhere to their wisdom. Uh, so let me address a few of the changes that are being made in the document. Uh, we currently have 20 documents printed out. Hannah can make more of those. We've got them ready to go, ready to roll. But if only, if only 16 were going to be taken, I didn't want to print 66, uh, and then our recycling was full. So uh, I think you can see why we don't have it's all of them printed out today. But if you want a copy, we have one for you. We'll get you one today. Uh, so here, here's the, the big things that are changing. One is the layout. Um, the layout of the old document is very confusing. Uh, anytime you want to look up something, it often tells you to go to three different sections to, to try to figure out what we're trying to do, where to go, all things easier to use. The layout's very different. 16 or 18 pages, the new document has 22. So there has more, been more added than taken away. Um, Additions. Uh, there's an addition, an article two, and I'm, by the way, I can't tell, I'm not going to tell you every change that we're making, I'm just kind of hitting some of the major ones. The addition of the new article two, which would not be the same as the old article two, but the new article two says uh, the purpose of the church. It's probably important for us as a nonprofit to explain why we're in existence. Uh, so that is in there. Uh, all existing articles have been updated, clarifications, terms, and definitions. Uh, for example, under qualifications of board member, it now would read male or female at birth. You can understand with our culture where things are at, why we need to make those changes. It's remove, there's been removal of items, uh, the items that are not governance but procedural. For instance, uh, the fact that it talks about Sunday school and Sunday school coordinator. One, we don't do Sunday school anymore. We do grow groups, so the terminology has changed. But then two, we don't elect a Sunday school coordinator because that's, that is all taken care of by staff. Jackie oversees that as a part of her staff position. Uh, so those things don't need to be in our, in, our, in our bylaws on how we conduct business. Those things need to be in our uh, policy manual. And so that way those can be changed by the board when we need to make changes. The other things uh, that have been changed there is departments. Uh, for example, this is just one example, but offerings. Yes, we're going to continue to do offerings. But how we do offerings should not be a part of the document of our bylaws. That should be a part of our policies. So if there's a better way, a more effective way to do things, we don't have to wait a whole year to vote on it. And we kind of haven't been in compliance because technically to do online giving, we should have voted on that because it's in our bylaws. That's, that's ridiculous. Uh, we just need to be able to function quicker, be able to provide better ministry to the people as things change. Uh, there's other changes as well. The election to the lead pastor for the term of office. The new, uh, the new bylaws would say this, the tenure of the office of the pastor shall be indefinite, duration until removed with annual review 
uh, and conversation regarding the pastor's call to health performance between the pastor and the board. This has nothing to do with me because you guys have already voted me in, and I, I'm here until God, God tells me to leave or, or I get removed, um, which hopefully is not happening anytime soon. Uh, but the reason that we're making this change is we looked at the heartbeat of what happens when a pastor comes his first year, and to know that you have a year and then there's a vote, there are points of contention there where the pastor can hold back and go, I'm not going to be obedient to the Lord because I'm worried about losing my job and building trust with the church. Uh, that's, that's not helpful for the church. That's not helpful for the pastor. Also for the pastor's family, that's a huge weight to go, well, we're going to vote in a year. Uh, and I let you know this, this for you. Um, for instance, my daughter for an entire year told us just recently in the last couple of years, the first year we were here, she did not engage or connect with people at school or here because she thought for sure we wouldn't be here more than a year. Not a great trust in her pastor to build relationship with you guys. Uh, that's more of a mark on her dad than it is on you guys. Um, but the pastor's family shouldn't have to do that. Also added in here is a whole process for the uh, removal and the evaluation of the pastor. So there are checks and balances. If for some reason the next pastor that gets voted in here, which I believe is going to be the right fit whenever that happens, but if it's not, there are checks and balances here for a review. Every year the pastor gets reviewed. That happens now by our board. Uh, that probably every month in some regards happens, but uh, there is an, a year review uh, that goes on. If, the, if this, is not, this relationship is not working out, that there are things that then would be accordance and ways to walk that out. Uh, also, the ability for the church to call... Uh, a vote of confidence on the pastor can happen with a certain number of, uh, I believe it's, I believe it's one third. I could have this wrong. I don't have the document in front of me. I think it's one third to call the vote, two thirds for a pastor's removal. Um, that that is something that could happen if the church felt itself like if the representation's not there. Uh, that there's that that option available. A couple other things: uh, the removal of absentee ballots. Uh, in the new document, it would remove absentee ballots. Three reasons for that. One. We think that things that we're voting on our annual business meeting are important, and you probably should be here to vote on them. Two, uh, if we're voting for something like the church parking lot, for instance, we just had a special business meeting, and there is discussion uh, in, that, in that presentation or a presentation that's given, before you vote, you probably should have the information. Amen? That's, that's good for voting anywhere. Um, and so there's that. Three, an absentee ballot is only good for a vote as long as there are no amendments made so if we have a piece of, of, of like, for instance, this, this document, and we make amendments to it, anybody that had an absentee ballot, we have to throw those out. It gets to a point where there's confusion, and then people are upset because their vote didn't count, but we made, it's a whole rigmarole. Let's just remove that. If you want to vote, be here. Um, and so, uh, sorry, it's been a long service, all right? Uh, the addition of Article 15, Emergency Powers. We understand that local and national emergencies may happen, for example, fires, earthquakes, tornadoes, etc. Uh, this addition uh, allows the church leadership to acknowledge that there has been an emergency that has happened in our local or national area, and for us as a church to be able to respond. For example, let's say a massive tornado comes through half the town, rips a whole bunch of uh, houses down, all those kind of things. It would give the church the ability, the board, member, the board to be able to say, we have a crisis, we need to respond to it as a, a church. And so we're going we're gonna, to, for the time being, suspend our normal way of doing things, and we're going to get out here and we're going to help people clean up their houses. We're going to make the church into an emergency center, whatever those cases might be. It enables us to be able to respond very quickly. 
While this is not a change, if you read this document, I absolutely know we'll get this question, so I'm going to just uh, go ahead and answer it here. Article 12 has to do with disillusionment. disillusionment. Uh, this is for if we, in case we were to ever decide to leave the assemblies of God or the church closes for some reason, that the assets of the church would then be forfeit from the church and go to the... It's in our current bylaws now. <laughs> there was a pastor, and, um, and they tried to get the church did not act the way that God wanted them to. Um, and they tried to get the church to leave the assemblies of God and to go off on some weird tangent doctrinally. The, the district would have the ability to say, you're, you're more than welcome to leave, but we are still going to provide a Pentecostal Assemblies of God church here, and we, the property then goes to them. Does that make sense? Uh, so it's checks and balances. Now, I don't foresee the Assemblies of God going crazy. I know a lot of different denominations right now are doing all sorts of things that don't line up with Scripture. I, I see nothing that the Assemblies of God is doing moving in that direction at all. If for some crazy reason that were to happen at some point, um, and they said, hey, you know what, we're going to allow homosexual marriage, and we're going to go against all these biblical principles. Yeah, there is a, po there is a, a possibility at that point that we would say, we're, we're not going to do that. But here's what I would say. Uh, eight years ago, no, it was, sorry, uh, 11 or 12 years ago, if Kathy's in the room, we had how much in our checking account? Did you say at one point, $15? Today, there's over a half a million dollars there. Uh, you follow God, God's blessings will happen. If for some reason we would need to step out of the assemblies of God, we would take any issues that we would need to. We would try to retain the property and that stuff. And if they were doctrinally way off their bases, there's a good chance we would retain that property. If not, following God's more important and God will provide for us. Amen? Amen. That's not going to happen, but just in case that's out there, because I'll get asked that question by multiple people, it's better just to get it out there. Uh, we would love for you to take this document, look over it, read it. If you've got questions, please ask us. By the way, we do not have this document memorized. We are going to need to open it up. We'll have, I have a folder with the old and the new, and I will have to look up both to be able to answer questions. I'm just letting you know. I'm not going to be able to, off the top of my head, be able to answer questions effectively. Um, the same goes for the board. Um, but please, ask us questions. Our hope is by giving you this document ahead of time, then when we actually go to the meeting, that we're not going to have to have a discussion for four hours about this. Uh, we can answer a few questions that, that, or make any, any modifications or changes that we need to and then vote on it. Uh, so is, that, is everyone kind of clear on that? Great. How many people are ready to eat? Fantastic. Dave, is there anything you want to add? No, I think we're, we're good. Great. That's a long church service, amen? Uh, how many think we should pray for the food so we don't have a church split? If you were here last week, you get that joke. If not, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Uh, Dave. Would you pray for our, our meal and dismiss us today? And you want to pray over the offering as well? Sure. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and gather and fellowship, hear your word, and be fed spiritually, Father God. We pray over this offering, what we have to give, Father God. May you do more with it than we ever could on our own. Help us to be obedient to you in our tithes and offering. And Father God, we pray over, we pray over this meal time. Let the fellowship be good. Let it be a blessed time. And bless the food to our bodies. Amen. Amen. If you want this document, it is on the black table out there. If we run out, please let us know. We'll print some more and we'll get that to you right away. Guys, let's go downstairs and have a great meal together.